Hi. I love you. I hope you're all doing well. Um, grateful to be with you all. I, um, I'm so excited about this message. Uh, this is one of those messages that uh, I'm, I'm hyped y'all have three services because I wish you had two more. I would do them. Um, a few weeks ago, Preston did a message on discipleship. He told me about that, and I felt like my baby leapt. I, I got so excited because um, at the epicenter um, of my life, my walk with Jesus, what I give people is discipleship, and it's the same for Preston as well. And so I told him, I said, the, my favorite message on discipleship that the Lord ever gave me uh, is this one. And I told him, and he's like, do it. And so since we're twins, I'm going to do it. Um, if you have your Bibles, I need you to go with me to the gospel according to St. John chapter number six. John chapter number six. Now I'm going to tell you guys up front, I am going to read 49 verses. 14 people are so hyped. <laughs> I'm going to read 49 verses. I will try to do it in compelling fashion so you, that you don't get bored, but you need this context. Um, there, there, is, there is something about the cadence of this conversation that Jesus has uh, with this audience that is very, very unique. I'm a context person. I went to school and studied administration of justice. I wanted to be a homicide detective. So context matters, sequence matters. Um, and so I'm going to read all 49 verses. If that's too much for you, I don't know what to tell you. You're just going to have to deal with it. So I, I'm going to read it, uh, and I want you to hear Jesus' tone. I do not believe I'm being presumptuous in the tone that I will use in Jesus' responses to some of the things that are said by this audience that he's talking to because it just seems to be right there, but it fits into uh, what the title of the message is. So just to give you some context, we're starting at verse number 22, but just so you know what precedes this is uh, the, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, uh, not including women and children, so it's probably somewhere between 12 to 16,000 people that have been fed with two fish and, lo and five loaves of bread. It's miraculous, okay? And then Jesus tells his disciples to get on a boat, they get on the boat, a storm breaks out, and they're all afraid. Ah! And he's like, don't be afraid, I'm here, okay? Next day, this is where we pick up. And scene. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus has not gone with them. Several boats had not gone with them. Oh, uh, several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Well, good morning to you too, sir. It's already started. But don't be concerned. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. 
They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Can we just pause real quick? Really? Is the amnesia that strong that they don't remember yesterday? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. I'm not sure if this dude's hypoglycemic, if his blood sugar's low, but he is not happy lunch Jesus from yesterday. It is clear. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the father only I who has sent who was sent from God have seen him I tell you the truth anyone who believes has eternal life yes I am the bread of life your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness but they all died anyone who eats the bread from heaven however will never die I am the living bread that came down from heaven anyone who eats this bread will live forever and this bread which I will offer to the world which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat my flesh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that the disciples were complaining, so he said, does this offend you? Then what? 
will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you don't believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned around, turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom do we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Can I just stop and say, when you've seen multitudes of disciples leave and get this answer from Peter, it should be, that's heartwarming. That would be endearing to me. Let's read Jesus' next verse. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. What is up today? He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. Ladies and gentlemen, you just survived 49 verses. God bless you. Give yourselves a hand. I don't, you guys are so proud of that. I listened. <laughs> if you're taking notes, three words, please write this down. Disciples make decisions. That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about disciples making decisions. If you are going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to be because, it's going to be because you've made the decision to be a disciple. And it's not a decision you make once. It's a decision that you'll make every day. Bow your heads, let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, make us disciples, please. Pretty please. Amen. I pray quick, as y'all know. Uh, John chapter number six uh, is my favorite chapter in the Bible as it relates to Jesus's leadership. It's not because he's uh, forthright, abrupt, stern. That's not the reason. Uh, the reason why this is my favorite chapter in the Bible about Jesus's leadership is because he is literally setting the template as to how we should all be as leaders and disciple makers. And that is very, very simple. We make the invitation for people to follow. And then people simply have to choose if they want to continue following every single day. Jesus lays this out in fantastic fashion, and it is something that I just want us to be able to investigate uh, and to peer into. It starts with the miracle, the miracle of taking two fish, five loaves of bread, blessing it, breaking it, handing it out, and watching multiplied thousands of people be fed. Free lunch, yay! And then the disciples being invited to jump into a boat and meet them on the other side just to put them in the middle of a storm. So in one day, they see a miracle and they experience a storm. And you who 
Jesus is the one that put him in both scenarios. Because being a follower of Jesus Christ is not simply about miracles. It is also about storms. And if you only signed up for the lunch, but you cannot take the storms, you will not be his disciple. If you praise God for the lunch, but try to rebuke the storm, you cannot be his disciple. I can't tell you how many people have literally called a storm from God a test from Satan. When the only way to know him fully is not simply on the mountaintop, but you must go through the valley as well. Jesus, the day after this extravagant miracle, is hanging out by himself, chilling. And all these people, I don't know if there is an Uber boat back then or if they stole these boats. Scripture is not clear. All I know is these were not their boats and they took them. That's how the text reads. If anybody else has insight, please let me know. Because I'm just reading what's on the page. They get to the other side and they're so happy to see him. Rabbi, when did you get here? We didn't see you come. And he's like, y'all only here because I fed y'all yesterday. He's over it. Because Jesus has a different leadership style than the one we try to produce today. We want follows. We want followers, we want likes, we want subscribes. We want people to, to be into us. We want them to like everything that we're saying. We want them to, we want them to love everything that's coming out of our mouth. We, we, we scroll through the comment section, agree, 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 agree. Why did you disagree? What, what did I say? How come you don't understand? Jesus is quite the opposite. Jesus is like, I did what I did and I said what I said. Make your choice. And all of the people are having this conversation with him. They're like, yo, uh, you're talking about bread that came down from heaven. That's awesome. We want to be a part of that. Do a miraculous sign. He's like, are you serious? I already gave you one. And then they're like, well, you know, Moses brought down bread from heaven. Do something like that. And he's like, Moses didn't bring down bread from heaven. My dad did. And they're like, Joseph? Bro, how old do you think you are? And they start this back and forth, and it seems like Jesus is getting more and more agitated because as much as they were endeared to him the day before, Jesus is always vetting the intentionality of your heart as to why you are following him. The miracles are generous, but he's going to always put you in a test to see why are you really here? Why do you really follow? Is it because it's easy? Is it because I gave you a blessing? Or are you willing to be with me even when it gets rough? Are you willing to stay with me even when I disappoint your expectations. 
could you possibly still see me as Savior and Lord when things don't go your way? He starts off on this conversation about the bread coming down from heaven, then starts to ease his way into saying the fact that he is the bread that comes down from heaven. And then it just gets flat out weird. This dude starts a sermon and the title of it is Eat Me. <laughs> Which just now in current 2023 stung some of y'all. You're like, oh. So imagine how it hit the first person audience. For him to ease into, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Yes, I'm actually that bread. And eat me. That bread is actually my flesh. <gasps> what? And this is how you know he's not an American preacher. He does not bother to explain himself. American preachers would be in the foyer like, no, point two meant. I was trying to be funny. I was trying to be punny. Come on, come back. Jesus careth not. For all my King James lovers out there. He simply doesn't care if you get him or not. He said what he said. He actually kind of like quadruples down on what he said. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Mm. Amen? Hopefully there's a, hopefully you turn the corner and kind of explain yourself. Sure will. Like if you don't chew me up, <laughs> swallow me, and then like take my blood and wash it down, can't be my disciple. Oh, okay, um, I'm not sure I can say amen anymore, sir. Cool, because like if you don't eat me, right, and then wash me down with my own blood, can't be my disciple. And only those willing to do that will be my disciple. Which brings me to the first of my four points. That if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, point number one, please write this down. Disciples don't always know. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have to get comfortable with knowing that you won't know some of the things Jesus says and or some of the things Jesus does. Anybody beside me by a show of hands that have been following Jesus over a week and can testify, I don't always know what he's doing. Ever had somebody come up to you and be like, all jipper, hey, what's the Lord doing in your life? And you're like, I don't know. Like, real talk, I have no idea what he's doing. He makes no sense right now. He told me to quit my job. And I obeyed him because he's my Lord. But to there's no follow-up. I've had my quiet time five days in a row. I've continued to bring it before the Lord. And he said nothing back. So I'm not sure what's up with the rabbi. But he ain't talking to me. 
right now. Jesus makes a hard saying. He knows it's a hard saying, and he doesn't even bother to clarify himself. He just drops it and leaves it there. People that have said, not only am I just a part of the crowd, not, not only am I just in this audience, I'm a disciple of yours. I will follow you wherever you go. He makes a hard saying, steps back, and watches for their reaction. They're all like, I don't know. The Torah is clear. There's no cannibalism, so you must mean something else. But you're not telling us what the other something else is. So, ah, my head. And then he's like, does this offend you? Actually, yes, sir. I don't know. Thank you for asking that question. I'm kind of offended. He's like, well, if you can't deal with that, how will you deal with the Son of Man ascending into heaven? If I was there, I'd have been like, actually, that part sounds cool. I want to be around for that. But this eat me part, I'm just not clear. And you're, you're not going to elaborate? Could you imagine Jesus making a statement as bold and as disconcerting as this? And then it's a staring contest. <laughs> Who's going to blink first? And it's clearly not him. He makes this statement and they are like, hmm. Mm. And he's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, mm-mm. And he's like, mm-hmm. And they're like, mm-mm. And then something happens that I don't think we actually pay enough attention to. And it's point number two. Please write this down. Disciples can choose to leave. We don't talk about this a lot because we, we, we're all about assimilation and we're all about getting people in and join, be a part, join community, get involved, go through growth track, whatever you, come on, get, get plugged in. You want to get plugged in. And we don't ever tell people you can actually opt out. This is not a dictatorship. Jesus is king and Lord, whether you ever accept him or not, confess him or not. But you have to understand, you don't actually have to be here. Nobody pulled up to your house today with AK-47s and racked them and told y'all, get in the car, put a hood over your face and brought you the pillar. You came here of your own volition. You came here voluntarily, you look dressed, you got dressed and you do look nice. You came in here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but you do know you ain't got to. I mean, we might, we might phone you three or four times if you're missing because we love you and your community and you usually go to this, this service. We would check. We would look for you. But if you went ghost, that would be on you. We would have to respect your decision. Now, don't get scared, but um, uh, this verse is uh, chapter 6, verse 66. I don't know if the person that broke down the verses did it on purpose I don't know if it's just a master, masterful insertion for this to be 666, but at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And here's how I know Jesus is not an American pastor. He didn't run after them. He didn't try to convince them to come back. They were like, 
I don't understand that. I don't get it. I'm offended. I'm out. Serious, Jesus. We're walking. It's not just me. Look at many of us. Don't try to act like it's just me that got offended. Eat me offended all of us. Count them. That's more than your original 12. We're serious. No, for real, we're leaving. We won't come back. When I act, I have to go all the way through. So that's why I had to leave the whole platform. Jesus don't care. Yes, he's caring and no, he's not. Not when it comes to you making decision on if you want to follow him or not. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Unless you want to. And then you can. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Yeah, I love that song. Because he will leave the 99 to go after who's lost. But he won't leave the 99 to go after who left. I bind that, Tim. That's not right. That's not scriptural. Have you read the prodigal son? He left his daddy's house. Did his daddy chase him? He came and looked out the porch. Not here yet. No, but when you leave, that's a decision. The prodigal son came to his senses and changed his mind, which is the epitome of repentance and came back to his father's house because he never forgot the location. But Jesus ain't chasing no disciples that leave him because he's not a dictator. He is king and he is Lord, but you can choose to be with him or not. Which brings me to point number three. Please write this down. Disciples can choose to stay. If you can choose to leave, you can choose to stay. Here's what it says in John chapter number six, verse number 68. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. This is one of the most beautiful answers to any question Jesus has ever asked during his earthly ministry. Peter's answer is, we strongly implied, we have no idea what you mean by eat me either. But where are we going? We, we, we've seen too much. Sure, the, the, you putting us on the boat and a storm breaking out feels like an okey doke, um, but we didn't die. So, 
And we went to the grave, and then there was a guy that was naked cutting on himself, and then, like, you cast those out. That was amazing. Like, we, we've seen too much, sir. Like, we, where else would we go? We, we know. Second poll takes a lot of honesty. Anybody by a show of hands had days when you're like, you know what? I might be out. I like, it was a little bit better before I gave my life to Jesus. I thought giving my life to Jesus, everything was going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. And then you found out, oh, snap. I think he was serious about in this life you shall suffer persecution. Like, I think he meant that. Even though I'm in the right zip code. Even though I have this much money in savings, this much money in checking, all this success around me. I found out that life can still be full of storms. They can still be full of doubts. They can still be full of disappointments with Jesus. Which is why your decision for discipleship is not a one-time thing. You'll have to make this decision over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because there will be days where you want to opt out, but you know, where else am I going to go? My brother was killed in a car accident September 17th of 2004. It was the, 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 it was the darkest season of my entire life to date. Uh, my brother and I were very close. He was 17 months younger than me. We were, we were very, very close. He got killed on an um, early Sunday morning that I had just landed in Maryland to preach a service. And uh, my mother called me from California and told me that he had died. And I was so angry with God. I could not understand why he allowed this to happen to me and my family. And I threw the biggest tantrum of all time. I told God in the pit of my despair and my frustration and my anger, I will never preach for you again as long as I live. And I found something about, I found out something about God, y'all, that I did not know uh, based on what I was told growing up. Like, don't question God. Don't ever, don't ever say something, certain things about God. I realized he can handle all of that. I learned something about God during that time that I would have never learned if things were blissful. And that is, he's not petty. He's just not petty. He let me throw a full-blown tantrum. And he just waited. He never answered anything. He never answered any question I asked him about why he allowed this to happen. Yet, he was present with me through it all. I had to make a decision to continue following him even when I wasn't getting the answers that I felt like I deserved. Can we be honest that sometimes as disciples of Jesus, we feel entitled? I mean, I'm your disciple. I'm doing everything right. I tithe, I pray, I have devotion time. I'm plugged into a small group. I give of my time. What more do you want from me? All I want is a little answer, sir. And isn't it amazing how we think our works entitle us to his voice. You have to choose to stay. And it's not easy. 
I'm trying to give you the practical way to walk out discipleship because you will not live your life like in this bliss where your feet don't even feel like they're touching the ground. There will be times in your life walking with Jesus where it feels like 200 pounds to take your feet off the ground to continue walking with him. And yet you make the decision to do it anyway. I decide on a daily basis to continue to be a disciple of Jesus. Which brings me to point number four. Please write this down. Disciples get the revelation. Disciples get the revelation. This is John 6, 69. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. What would allow Jesus' 12 disciples to stick with him after the dismissal of this synagogue service and still continue to walk with him? It's based on what they already know. We believe and we know that you are the son of God. So even though what you just said is weird, bro, I guess we're just gonna have to follow you. Have no idea what you're talking about. Sounds a little scary. But we believe and we know that you are the son of God. I gave my life to Jesus January 14th of 1996. So this coming January will be 28 years that I've been walking with the Lord. And I'm telling you, there's been a lot of days where I've been tempted to turn back, a lot of frustrating days where I just wanted to give it up and go, you know what? Mm -mm, nope, I'm turning back. And here's what has kept me, my decision and what I already know. I mean, I could go back to my former lifestyle. I just know too much. I've experienced too many miracles. He's brought me too many, too, through many dark paths. So I could go back to the club. I just ain't going to like it. I'm, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to start judging people quick. <laughs> I can't even tell you how fast I'm going to start judging people. I'm... I don't know the music now. I can't understand the rap now. I do still know how to dance, though. That, that would be good. But I know too much. I mean, I could go get drunk, but I already got filled with the spirit. So I know that spirit will never match the spirit that's already on the inside of me. I mean, I could start being a hater again, but the love that has filled my heart would make hating so uncomfortable. It just takes too much work to hate you. Oh, I get tired just thinking about hating a person. I'm like, it's just exhausting. I love you. It's just way too easy now. When you've been doing it almost 30 years, you can't go back to hating people. But why am I still here? Because of what I believe and what I already know. And here are the disciples. Can you imagine these disciples after that day? Based on the calculations I can make from where John 6 sits in the narrative of his earthly ministry, because John is the only one that covers all three and a half years of his earthly ministry, I believe it's somewhere between 12 and 18 months before Jesus' crucifixion. So can you imagine 
for a year to a year and a half, them following Jesus with the thought in their mind, we're going to have to eat him. John, that's what he, that, he said. It. I didn't say it. I don't know when. I don't even know how we're going to do it. I don't even know if we're going to be up to it. I don't even know if I have the stomach for it, obviously. But I'm just saying, if the, like if he's serious, I mean, all them other disciples left. We still here. We're going to have to do it. He keeps talking about leaving. He didn't say eating, but he's talking about leaving. And we might have to be a part of it. And they've been walking with him for 12 to 18 months. This is, I think it's somewhere deep in the back of their mind. And then he says, let's gather for the Last Supper. <laughs> hey, John, I told you, this is it. This is it. He go. I got my knife, so. I'm going to start at the bottom. You start at the top. <laughs> Imagine going into this Last Supper and just thinking, like, is he going to lay on the table? Or <laughs> it seems like. And in identical fashion to the miracle of the fish and the loaves, he takes bread, he breaks it, he blesses it, he hands it to him, and then he says to them, take. This is my body. <gasps> Bro, are you serious right now? Are you serious right now? Is this what you meant? Like a year and a half ago when you were talking about Eat your flesh, so it was a metaphor. <laughs> hey, bro, you know we was about to eat you, man. Like we we had already made up our minds, we was gonna eat you. Oh, Toby shouldn't have left. This is good. Christopher should not have deserted you that day. Oh my goodness! Here's why, people. Disciples get revelation. You have to stick it out to get the revelation of what he meant two years ago. You have to stick it out to get the revelation of why that happened to you when you were eight. You don't get it when you want it, but you will get it if you stay with him. But only disciples that stay get the revelation. Take, eat, this is my body? Yay! It's bread! He pours the wine? Take, drink, this is my blood. Oh, turn up. He, the revelation didn't come when they wanted it to, but it did come. I can't tell you how many things in my life Jesus has said to me and or done to me that I thought, what, what was that? Only to find out six months later, two years later, five years later. <gasps> Yo, you are way smarter than me. If I would have broke up with you, I wouldn't have found that out. You know which one I'm still waiting on? My brother. 
19 years I've been waiting on that one. Hasn't talked to me about that yet. Guess what? I don't need him to. Because I'm going to see him one day. And when I see him, every question will be answered. So as a disciple of Jesus, I believe in delayed gratification. What he chooses to answer, he answers. And what he chooses not to answer, he doesn't. He has that right, for he is my Lord, not simply my Savior. And he is sovereign, and I am not. He is omniscient. He knows all things. I'm clearly insufficient. And I only have a limited amount of knowledge, and I can't handle everything now. He knows better than I. Why? So I'll wait. And I'll get the revelation because I continue to choose to be his disciple even on the days that it's inconvenient. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? My prayer is that um, you get a calibration from this message, a reminder, a reminder that we all need, that being a disciple is not signing up for free lunches only. You're signing up for storms as well. You are signing up for power and you are signing up for persecution. You are signing up for clarity. Oh, the things he will show you. And you are signing up for chaos. <laughs> the things that don't make sense. You are signing up to be better and you are signing up to be broken. It's not either or. It's both and. So Holy Spirit, would you do for us what you've done for all of your disciples for the past 2,000 plus years. Would you deepen our commitment to following Jesus? Holy Spirit, you're the, ones, you're the one that leads us and guides us into all truth. And without you, we can't do anything. I ask that you would not make it easy for us, but make it palatable. That whether we are on a straight road or crooked, a high place or low, in or out, mountaintop or valley, that we would continue to make our decision to follow Jesus with the unequivocal declaration that there is no turning back. In Jesus' name.